I'm just kind of one off in today, and I hope this will be as edifying for you as it was for me in preparing uh, this this sermon today. Huge shout out to uh, to Blake Arnold and to uh, Paul Dacus for preaching for us over the last couple of weeks. Amen. Yeah, come on. Yeah, they did an amazing job handling the word and handling it faithfully and handling it well, uh, uh, proclaiming the truth from the scripture. And it was good to sit back and just to, to, to take some of that in. So fellas, thank you for, uh, for doing such a good job and serving our family well. Uh, I love the way that they left something for us to take away each week, and uh, that's a good thing for us when you're preaching the gospel uh, to, to take away something. And honestly, uh, we are this. We are blessed, hashtag blessed, uh, to have someone uh, and so many people that can actually preach the scripture here. Uh, so it's not just dependent on me. You don't have to hear just from my voice. You hear from a multitude of voices. And so that's a wonderful thing that we have here at Refuge, that there are a number of people you get to hear, uh, people that if you're watching online that you get to to hear different voices. Uh, you don't have to go somewhere else. You can actually hear it here at Refuge Church uh, to proclaim the truth from the scriptures. You'll get a healthy dose of people preaching the word to you in the days ahead. Uh, I am upcoming on my kidney transplant, so that is literally around the corner. Yep, really th- thrilled by that. Uh, it is uh, uh, Jeff Street and I certainly can use your prayers. Jeff is sitting right here. He is my donor. For those of you who don't know, wave your hand, Jeff. Yep. Um, who knew we were brothers from another mother, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, they say our insides are all somewhat alike. Uh, they match as well as they could. So it's nice to know my guts match yours, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> At least my kidney, uh, or my at least uh, your kidneys are better than mine. But I am really um, uh, thankful for Jeff and uh, his willingness to do this. You know, the days ahead, and we get a little bit more nervous. He and I were just talking before the service, and I asked if he was nervous yet, and he said, "Yeah, he is." And I said, "Well, I am a little bit too, and I'll probably get nervous next Monday. Uh, that's kind of when I'll uh, the reality will hit that it's happening the next day." And uh, but I'm really, we really covet your prayers and would really ask for you. I know you have been, and many of you sent us messages over and over again. We'll just ask you to continue to do that for our own peace of mind and for the surgery to go well and smoothly, for uh, my body not to reject his perfect kidney, and uh, uh, for those kind of things to happen. Um, uh, Carol and I have been overwhelmed uh, by your kindness and uh, your uh, generosity towards us already. Uh, and, and so, uh, and I know that you're going to be doing those things in the days ahead for Jeff and his family as well. Uh, you know, there is, uh, when we talk about Jeff Street, um, there uh, reminds me of the fable of the chicken and the pig. Uh, uh, when it came, comes down to producing breakfast, you know, um, uh, made with eggs and ham or bacon, uh, the chicken is involved but the pig is committed. You know, he, he is, he is, uh, it costs him a lot more than it costs the chicken. And so this is, uh, Jeff Street is the same way. You're, you're committed to this, Jeff. Uh, it's costing you a lot. They're taking something out of you, bro. And uh, they're putting it in me. And so I'm thankful for your commitment to, uh, to this process, as well as a number of you have, have offered to do those kind of things. But I'm very thankful that you're, uh, you're willing to do this. It means uh, obviously uh, the world to my family and to me. So how are we doing, Refuge? That's the question I want to ask you. How are we doing? Are we great? All right, so that's the standard Sunday morning answer that we're all great, and everybody comes in with a big smile on their face. That's what we do in church, right? We put a smile on our face, and we come in, and we just produce this whole thing in front of us that everything's going well, and, and everything is great. I mean, we are in the middle of a pandemic, right? Whether you believe it's a pandemic or whether you don't, we're in the middle of whatever it is that's going on. 
Uh, so we're in the middle of that. We're in the middle of political season, right? Uh, we're in the middle of that, and we have to endure that on a regular basis. If you watch, if you turn on the TV or listen to your radio or anything at all like that, we have to endure all those kind of things that come at us and all the messages that come at us. And honestly, we're, many of us are in the middle of our own personal things in our own personal lives. And so uh, it's just one of those things for us to come in and kind of check in with one another. So it's imperative that we do a few things during these times. Uh, one, it's to keep connected with one another and with God. Uh, one of the things, one of the worst things that can happen to each of us in the middle of this is to isolate ourselves, to be by ourselves and believe that whatever's happening in our own life is only happening to us and woe is me and this is the end of the world. And so it's imperative that we keep connected to one, with one another and with God. It's imperative that we keep caring for one another. Uh, it's, it's important that you check on one another, that you take it upon yourself to go, hey, how's my friend doing? How's my family member doing? How is my neighbor doing in the middle of all these kind of things? And, and so it happens to me a lot. You check on me a lot because you know that I'm about to have a kidney transplant. I get a text from many of you or a phone call from many of you, but, but we should do that for one another. So I want us to keep caring for, for one another. And then in the middle of things like this, whenever we're in crazy political season and crazy uh, pandemic times, it's important not only that we keep connected, that we keep caring for one another, but we keep creating funny stuff. If nothing else, for just my enjoyment. This has nothing to do with a sermon, but uh, Nacho Libre is one of my favorite people. And the husband says, I did the dishes. And the wife says, so. And the husband puts on his Nacho Libre costume. This is like one of my favorite things. And it's funny stuff that gets created all the time. And again, it has nothing to do with a sermon. Uh, at all, uh, but we just need to take time to laugh. We need to take time to smile. There's enough things that go on in our life. There are enough things that we wrestle with that are difficult and life-changing and life-altering that we just need to laugh. One of the things we say at Refuge is that we don't take ourselves very seriously. So if you're new to Refuge, you'll figure this out really quickly. We don't take ourselves very seriously. Hey, that's right, we don't. But we take the gospel very seriously, for it is the power of God unto salvation for anyone who will believe. So we're going to laugh at one another and with one another and about a lot of different things. But when it comes to the gospel, we take that very seriously because it is life-changing and life-altering. Without the, the precious blood of Jesus, you'll spend an eternity separated from God, we say, but we would actually say at refuge facing the wrath of God. And so we want you to hear the good news of the gospel. We want you to respond to the gospel. We want you to say yes to Jesus. We want you to move from death to life and to be part of the family of God. It's the reason that we're a church. It is literally the reason we exist is to proclaim the good news of the gospel so that many will come and come to know Jesus. Now, the normal diet of preaching here, I don't like to talk about diets, but it is what it is. The normal, we'll say the normal intake of preaching uh, here at Refuge is expository preaching. So expository preaching is verse by verse preaching through the text. And that's what we do probably 90%, maybe even 95% of the time here at Refuge. So it's verse by verse. Uh, you can say, man, if you're new, you go, man, wow, that's, that could be very boring, just verse by verse, word by word. We like to say boring preaching is sinful. And so we don't like to... We don't like to offer up boring preaching, um, uh, but that's the normal diet of things at Refuge is uh, expository preaching. But now and again, in a particular season, uh, we step out of our verse-by-verse -verse teaching to do more topical things that are 
relevant to you and to me or what God is doing or teaching us here at Refuge. And, and today's going to be one of those days that we step out of our topical preaching, which is why we're not uh, back in Genesis today. And so as I pr- approach some time away from the pulpit, away from preaching uh, and recovering from uh, uh, my kidney transplant surgery, there are a few things that I want to say to you, church, uh, a few things that I want to say to you, those of you who are gathered with us today, those of you who may be watching online, whether you're part of Refuge Church here locally or whether you worship with us on a uh, weekly basis uh, by some social media platform, uh, I just want to say a few things to this. And the first is this, I love you. I, I really, really love you. I, I, love, um, I love each of you. I love being the pastor of this church I love to, to interact with each of you. I love, uh, I, love me, I love each of you. And I know some of you I know better than others. Some of you I've known for a long time. There's a lot of water under the bridge with a lot of us, right? There's been a lot of things that we've been through together and a lot of things that we've done together. And I just, I just need you to know that if I've known you for a long time, I love you. And I'm very thankful for you. I'm thankful to know you. I'm thankful to have you in my life. I'm thankful to be a part of your life as well. Uh, Some of you I've spent more time with than others. That's just the nature of things, right? Sometimes we just spend more time with others, than some people, than we do with others. There's not a favoritism or anything like that that goes on here, but there's just kind of the way we roll and the way our our, our lives ebb and flow. Uh, And then some of you, I wrestle to remember your names, and and I don't don't like that. I really try hard. Uh, And and so so there may be times that I uh, forget your name. Uh, I blame it on my stroke, uh, but you know, we, I blame everything that happens bad on my stroke. Uh, um, uh, but, but I just need you to know uh, that I really love you and I love being your pastor. Uh, uh, secondly, this, I have a thankful heart. Uh, I'm thankful for the way that you care for me. Um, probably the last two and a half years have been some of the most traumatic years of my life. And, and even the middle of this uh, today with uh, having a kidney transplant is another thing that is traumatic. But I'm, I'm thankful for the way that you care for me and my family, uh, the way you always have, the way you continue to do it in, in just new and innovative and different ways. Uh, uh, I'm just very thankful for that. I'm thankful for your involvement in this church. Um, uh, there's been, uh, difficult times that we faced here. We're in the middle again of a pandemic and we're trying to figure out how do we do church and how do we be the church and how do we see each other and care for one another? And how do we do the new normal if there is one or what, what's going to be on the other side of this? Uh, uh, they're, they're difficult times. They're unconventional times. And, and many of you, in the, even in the middle of that, are still committing your time to, to being the church. You're, you're giving your time and you're giving your life away for the reason we say that this church is here, so that people will come to know Jesus. And I'm, I'm just very thankful. I have a huge thankful heart uh, for each of you who are willing to do those things. Uh, I'm thankful for the fact that you are willing to see the gospel reach people, whether it's in conventional ways or unconventional ways. We don't do many conventional things here at Refuge. We do them kind of weird things and weird ways here at Refuge, and that's okay because a lot of different people need to be reached with the gospel, and we want to reach them in any way that we possibly can. And so I'm thankful that um, that you are that way. A thankful heart for that. That 
When we talk about being missionaries at refuge, uh, it, is, uh, it really is our call from Jesus. Jesus tells us whenever he saves us, he fills us with the spirit of God that each of us are called to be missionaries. We just don't say that at the end of our services just to have something to say. We say it because it really means something because that is our marching orders as Christians, as those of us who are filled with the spirit of God, that we are sent in that same power that raised Jesus from the dead with that same life-saving message that you and I are missionaries that we exist so that people will come to know Jesus. We actually believe that here. Uh, we really believe that. And I want you to believe that uh, here at Refuge. And, and, then, and then finally, I am really just encouraged by the renewal that's happening at Refuge. A, a real renewal of things that are, um, uh, that are happening in and among us and around us, in the middle of us. Uh, again, it's a strange time and you know, we literally haven't seen some of our refuge members since March, uh, since the pandemic started and, and people have gone down on lockdown. We, there's some of our members that we just haven't even seen since then. And, and it's very difficult. And so many of them are watching right now and, and we haven't seen you face to face. And I know you get to see my face, the band uh, uh, on, on, on the screen and, and we do screen time, but, but we, you just need to know we miss you and, and we love you and we really care about you. And um, and some people are in the middle of quarantine. And look, there, there's no shame in any of that. This is not anything about that, that. That's an individual decision. And we support you for staying at home. We support you for what you're doing. We, we pray for you and we hope to see you again soon. We, we just want you to know that. Um, and in the middle of this season, some people have chosen to leave refuge. Some people have chosen to go and just do something else and to go be part of a different church and, and to go their own way and, and to go do something else. And you know what? We, we, we would say to them, we love them just the same as well. They, they belong to, we say this around here, that people belong to Jesus, that he can do with them what he chooses to do with them, right? And just like he can do the same thing with us. I mean, he brought many of you here from other places and he chose to bring you to refuge. And, and so he does those same things. And those, some of those other churches probably felt some of that same angst about that. And so you may be feeling some of that as well as you see some familiar faces that aren't here anymore. And we love those people. We love people that have been part of this refuge church for a number of years, but God's called them to do something else. And for that, we, we, we celebrate with them and we are for them and we are with them as they go and do God's work somewhere else. And then sadly, some have chosen to simply stop being a part of a church altogether. That saddens my heart. For people, it, it should yours as well. It should weigh heavily on your heart for people that have walked away and not chosen to come back to be part of any church family. And, and if you're watching today or you're listening today, then we would tell, we would tell you to come back. Uh, we would tell you that the doors are wide open and, and there's nothing to be ashamed of, that we just invite you to come back, start again. Wherever you are, just come back and be part of what God is doing, whether it's here or even whether it's part of another church somewhere down the road. Uh, we would say um, we believe in this renewal that God the Holy Spirit is literally igniting fires in and around our church. I see it happening. Some of you don't get to see that, but I see it literally happening in and around different pockets of people where the Holy Spirit is lighting fires within people to go there. I want more and I need more and I want more of what this is to follow Jesus. And we, I see it happening and we believe that the renewal is actually happening. And I want us to live with a renewed sense of following Jesus and serving Jesus and telling others about Jesus. That's part of this renewal that is taking place. And I want you to pray, each of you, listen to me. I want you to pray that the Holy Spirit will ignite that fire within you. 
I want each of you that are sitting in this room to, to pray that the Holy Spirit will literally fan the flames of what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to be a missionary and to live on life for mission, sharing the good news of the gospel. I want you to pray that the Holy Spirit will fan that flame in your own heart. And whether you're watching again, fan that flame in your heart so that revival, so that renewal can actually continue to take place in your life and those around us. We would invite you to join us in this. Join the Holy Spirit in what he's doing here. Join the Holy Spirit in, in what he's doing at this church during this time. I said join the renewalution. Uh, uh, I couldn't spell that so correctly. So just go with renewalution. That's what's happening here is that a renewalution is taking place and I want you to be a part of it for the sake of others and the good of our city. Uh, so with, with all that in mind, uh, there are a few things that I just want to uh, cover to speak to you, Refuge Church. Uh, and for the days ahead. So in Philippians chapter four, that's actually where we'll be. I'll have the text on the screen, but if you want to turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter four, uh, we'll be there to start and then a few other uh, places in the scriptures as well. Philippians chapter four, uh, verse one says this, uh, therefore my brothers and sisters is part of the text that would, would uh, include whom I love and long for my joy and crown stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I'm going to stop there. Uh, just for a second to talk about that particular verse. And look how Paul writes in personal language to uh, the church at Philippi. He says, I, Paul, Paul is writing this and he says, I love you. Just like I told you that, I love you. Paul was telling the church the same thing. He said, I love you. These are the brothers and sisters that I spend my time with and that I spend my time ministering to. He said, I love you. He said, and he said, I long for... Um, he said, you're the people that I long for. He said, you are my joy and you are my crown. What he's saying is because the gospel has come and made a, a revolution and made a renewal within those churches, he said, you're the crown that I wear. He said, because you have come to follow Jesus. You have come to know Jesus. Your life has been, your life has been ignited by the Holy Spirit. He said, you are the people that are my joy and my crown. And then he says this, stand firm uh, thus in the Lord, my beloved. Stand strong in the Lord, my beloved. I would encourage you, Refuge Church, stand strong in the Lord. There's lots of things that pull for your time. There's lots of things that pull for your attention. There's lots of things that pull for your money and everything else that you could possibly want. Stand firm, church. Stand firm, Refuge. Stand firm in what it is that God has called each of you and each of us to do. He goes on in verse two and says, I entreat Euodia and Syntyche uh, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, uh, I ask you also, and you can insert your name here, my true companion. I, I ask you, Scott, my true companion, my fellow worker, to help those women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. You see what Paul's talking about here? He's like, man, we got work to do. And he said, I want you to come alongside these people who are working hard, and I want you to be part of this. I want you to be part of what's going on. Listen, Refuge, I don't know what your church background is like before, but look, this is not all about me doing work. Yeah. 
This is not all about the preacher or the elders or the deacons or the band doing work. This is about the church, you doing work for us, doing work together, coming alongside one another and doing the work of the Lord. He said, come alongside these people, help these people. I mean, Paul had just written in this text uh, before this, before uh, chapter four, about our righteousness that comes from Jesus alone. So he had just preached the gospel to the people. He was like, look, your righteousness comes not from what you do, not from the family you're from, not from any uh, customs that you're keeping, not anything at all like that. Your righteousness, your right standing with God. And listen, church, listen, because the same thing applies to you and me today. Our righteousness comes not from what we do, not from the good deeds we do, not from anything at all like that, but from the righteousness that comes from Jesus alone. Got that? That is the good news of the gospel that we don't muster up our own righteousness, but it is a foreign righteousness that is given to us in Jesus. And he had just talked about that in the text. He had talked about whatever he had gained by anything that he had ever done, because Paul had done a lot. He said, whatever I gained from that, I counted it as loss for the sake of knowing Jesus. None of it really mattered. I'll say the same thing to you. None of it really matters what you do it doesn't matter what job you have. It doesn't matter what life you live. It doesn't matter what, where you live. None of it matters for this. Uh, uh, and Paul said, uh, because of what he had gained in knowing Jesus. None of that compares to what it means to know Jesus. And how Paul said he counted all things as rubbish. That's what, say that with me. Rubbish. Yes, r- roll your R. Rubbish. Say it. Come on. Rubbish. Counted all his trash as rubbish for the sake of knowing Jesus. He's like, none of this matters because of the sake of knowing Jesus. That's what matters. Anything that I have is like a heap of trash uh, when it comes to knowing Jesus. And, and then Paul urged the Philippians to, to imitate him as he pursued Jesus. And, and, and finally, he told them that this world is not our home. Amen. He's like, this is not our home. We build homes and we do things and we have, we have all the things that we do here. This world is not our home is what Paul had said to this. And because of all this, because of all that true, uh, Paul urged Euodia and Sintichi to come together along with any other fellow workers uh, to help these women because their names are written in the book of life. He said, because these people are written, because these people are brothers and sisters, I want you to come alongside them and help them. Come alongside the work that they're doing and help them do what it is that they're doing about sharing the good news of the gospel um, people come to know Jesus. And so Paul urged us to do this thing. He said this, to live in harmony with one another. He said, I want you to live in harmony. I want you to live at peace with one another, uh, to work in harmony. Why would he want that to be true? Because they weren't. Yeah, so clearly they were not. But why would he think that's so important? Say it again. Cannot achieve as much when you work separately, right? But for the sake of the gospel. Look, we don't say to put away our differences just to have peace, just so there's not uh, uh, fights going on or infightings going on. We say to put away our differences. We say that we should live in harmony with one another for the sake of the gospel, for us to have a message to preach. If we're fighting with one another, and so Jeff and I are fighting with one another, and then the next time we turn around and talk to somebody about the good news of the gospel, who wants to believe two dudes that are fighting? Do you want to believe that? 
If you know know that people in a church are infighting with one another, do you want to believe anything that they have to say? Of course not. You want to see, you want to go, what's happening there? What is happening with this group of people that makes it so different? And so Paul was urging them to live in harmony with one another for the sake of the gospel. And so the gospel is the good news that Jesus rescues sinners. It is the power of God unto salvation. Uh, that the requirements of this, uh, uh, to be in right relationship with God are to repent of your sins, to put your faith and trust in not in your own righteousness, but in Jesus' righteousness alone. Believe that he lived a sinless life, to believe that he walked the earth just like you did, tempted in every way, yet without sin, that he died on a cross, willingly shed his blood. And the scripture says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And the precious lamb of God shed his blood to cover your sin debt. And the scripture says that he died on a cross and three days later, he was raised from the dead, and now he is ever interceding at the right hand of the Father on your and my behalf. The good news of the gospel says that same God-man, the same God-man Jesus wants to rescue you from your sin. There's nothing you have done that can out the grace and the love of Christ Jesus. Amen? Uh, one of the primary ways that people would know that you and everyone, specifically here at Refuge, have been changed by the gospel is the way that we live in harmony with one another. To live at peace with one another, uh, to live with a quiet heart, to live with a quiet tongue. You know what that is? You know what a quiet tongue is? Quiet tongue is one that doesn't spread misinformation. A quiet tongue is one who does not spread uh, words about someone else. A quiet tongue is one who does not work up quarrels a quiet tongue is the one who brings peace to situations. Scripture teaches us that people will know we are followers of Jesus whenever we have a quiet spirit, whenever we have a quiet tongue. To live with a spirit of encouragement, spurring one another on to run the race. That's that one of the things that Paul liked to talk about was he, he wanted to uh, encourage people as they ran the race to continue running the race, uh, to do it, to continue to run and, and run with confidence. So if you're doing CrossFit, uh, think of it in those kind of things that to continue to try to do those double under things that y'all do or whatever some of those weird names that you CrossFitters do. CrossFit cultures. Oh, no, I mean, I mean, CrossFitters do. Uh, um, uh, but, but to continue to urge one another to do those things. If you're playing football, in the, you know, the wrapping up football season, to urge you to continue to compete with one another. And, and if, if people would spur one another on in contests like that at, 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 um, at, at CrossFit or in a football game or in anything in life, even more we should do it as we follow Jesus. Even more... You should be my cheerleader, and I should be your cheerleader, and you should cheer for people across the aisle from you, and you should cheer for people in your home, and you should cheer for your husband, you should cheer for your, sp- for your wife, and you should cheer for your children and cheer for your parents. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus, to spur one another on in this life that we live. We studied about this whenever I preached through Romans, uh, and Paul also writes about this, uh, as as I mentioned in a sermon not too long ago. And if you want to, you can turn with me to Romans chapter 12, uh, which is clearly one of our favorite books, one of my favorite books in the New Testament. Um, uh, A wonderful thing about the Bible is that you can continue to go back to the same places, right? Because it teaches us something over and over again. I, I say we preach the gospel on a regular basis and we preach it regularly. We preach it weekly because we have a tendency to forget it. 
And, and so we can sometimes have a tendency to walk in here and hear me preach and get, so, okay, I got that. And then you go on about your life. But the reality is we want the gospel to permeate everything that we have, all of our lives throughout the rest of the week. That's what we want to happen for you and for me as we leave, leave here. And so we're going to come back to this. And, and so in Romans chapter 12, verse 9 is where we'll pick up. Uh, Paul says these things. And here's what I would encourage you. At the beginning of every one of these verses, put your name, okay? So this would be Romans 12, verse 9. Scott, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. You don't put Scott there. You put your name there. We got it? Got it, got it. Don't put my name, put your name. So we could say, Joe, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Now listen, I don't want you to run through these verses. When you read the scriptures and we can hear these things that we might've heard over and over again, we can have a tendency to tune me out. Y'all can have a tendency to take a nap right now. Don't take a nap. Don't close your eyes. Listen, be engaged. Got me? Don't make me call you out. I can still see you from here. This building's not that big. Especially since there's not a back section over there. <laughs> Listen, let love be genuine. Genuine love. How would it feel to be genuinely loved? As good as that feels. As good as you think that feels. How does it feel to someone else when you genuinely love them? When you genuinely care about somebody. I, I know what it feels like to be genuinely loved by some people. I want people to feel that same way whenever I'm around them. I want you to feel genuinely loved by me. And Paul says and teaches us that our love should be genuine for each other. He says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Now, we talked about this a few months back whenever I preached this text. I, that's to just detest what is evil, to, to hate it so bad that you put it away, that whatever evil is going on, that I don't want to have anything to do with it. I need it to go away. I need it to be put in something and buried so that I can never find it again and to run in the other direction. That's how much we need to hate what is evil, to love one another, abhor what is evil, and to hold fast to what is good. Wrap my arms and my legs around whatever is good and don't let it go. No matter who tries, I, I'm holding fast to this pulpit right here. Somebody got that? When you think of that, there you go. I see you taking my picture. When, when you hold fast to what is good, you can think about this from now on, okay? Holding fast to what is good. He goes on in verse 10 and says this. Remember, put your name right here. Scott. Whatever your name is, not me. Love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I have a brother. His name's Brett. We couldn't be more polar opposites than, uh, than brothers can be. But man, I love my brother. I love him. He, he loves me. Uh, he, he, there's nothing that he would not do for me. There's nothing that I wouldn't do for him. And, and so... Paul says that you may not love your brother or sister. 
That's a whole different sermon. But if you, if you had it the way you wanted it to be, and you could, did love your brother or sister the way you'd really want to love someone and someone to love you, Paul says, love other people in that way. How crazy would that be if we lived that way? If we loved each other like we were blood brothers and sisters. Love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Just, just be the first in line. To, just be the best at showing honor to other people. Don't wait on somebody else to do it. Just be the best at showing it to other people. He goes on in verse 11 and says this. Put your name there. Sally. Sorry if you're here. Uh, do not be slothful in zeal. Do not be slow to be excited about things. Look, I know, I know we Protestants, uh, and especially we recovering Baptists, and some of you Methodists, uh, some of you are, are not very much about um, uh, showing a lot of excitement, especially when it comes to like church things and things in services, and, and maybe some of you are recovering Catholics, and that's really quiet, and, and I know how that goes, and, and, and so... So you're like walk, used to walking in, it's like being very quiet and pious and all those kind of things. Look, we, we're a little charismatic here. Yes. Yeah, that's, at least me and Jeff are, okay? <laughs> we know Jeff is. We know I am. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, we Baptocostal. That's what we are. That's right. Uh, and, and so we, we, need to be, we need to be zealous about the things of God, okay? And so that doesn't mean we, we don't be crazy or do stuff like that. But we want to be zealous about the things of God and excited about the things of God. The fact that you're redeemed, that you are bought by the precious blood of Jesus should work itself up to your face at some point and let people know that you're really excited about being a follower of Jesus, okay? That's, that's step one in, in, in being excited about things of God, okay? Checking with me? All right, good. Tell your face that. That's right. Fix your face. That's right. Uh, be fervent in spirit. That means be. That means be. Be, be uh, attentive to the things of God. That your spirit is in tune with God. Be fervent about that. Be. Be attentive to those kind of things and let it be at the first, at the forefront of who you are. Serve the Lord. I mean, Paul says, if you can't figure out anything else, serve the Lord. Okay. And he goes on, verse twelve. Put your name in here. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. We're going to experience all kinds of emotions as we go through life, right? And so when there's hope, what should we do? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Oh, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, rejoice, rejoice. Oh, so we're not going to do that. Uh, we're not doing it. Uh, rejoice in hope. So the hope that comes from knowing Jesus, the hope that know that we have been redeemed, that there is a hope outside of this, that there's more to this life, that even whenever we take our last breath from this life, we move into the next life. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So kill me if you need to, because I just go to my next reward. Yeah. So there's nothing to fear, right? There's nothing to fear. So we rejoice in the Lord that he's given us eternal life. Be patient in tribulation. Tribulation will come. If you're not in the middle of it, it will come at some point. What does Paul say? Be patient. Why? Because it will pass at some point. You're not going to be in tribulation your entire life. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Always be in prayer. 
Keep going. Golly, I'm on page five of nine. So we got, we got a ways to go, and I'm just halfway through this. Um, put your name here. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Be generous. Hey, look. Hey, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and, and so as we talk about giving, we don't talk about giving a lot here at Refuge, but I want you to be generous people, Refuge. You, you are. Uh, and for some of you, though, that have kind of just recoiled a little bit, and you're like, oh, I hadn't forgot to put my tithe in lately. Uh, 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 it must have, my credit card must have re- didn't renew or something. I don't know. Uh, but, but check on that stuff. Uh, but, but contribute to the needs of the saints. Contribute to uh, and seek to show hospitality. If somebody has a need, what should you do? Let's try that again. If someone has a need, what should you do? Meet it. Seek to show hospitality. What is, you know what hospitality really means? Open up the doors of your home. Give them a seat at your table. Serve them the best things that you're from your pantry. Make the best meal that you know how to make. That's part of showing hospitality to people. You, well, I don't know them, preacher. I, I know. That's what, so, you know, if you know me, that's not really showing hospitality to me. So hospitality means we're, we're going to welcome in people we don't know. Let's keep going. I'm going to huddle a little too close to home. Verse 14, put your name in, whether you should say, Scott, bless those who persecute you, bless those and do not curse them. Whew. Yeah. So get the cursing out of your mouth and begin to bless people. How different would it be if people at refuge, if people of God began to bless people with their mouth instead of tearing people down? If we began, if we chose to be the people that go, whatever comes out of my mouth is going to be a blessing instead of a cursing, how different would things look? How much of an answer would that demand for us to live that way and for us to people see us live that way and to go, what is wrong with you? Well, how about I tell you what's right with me? His name's Jesus. He changes us. He makes us different. He gives us his spirit. He fills us with the spirit, his own spirit, and changes us. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Put your name in. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Enter in. What that means is enter into people's sufferings. Enter into people's celebrations. It's okay to celebrate. We should be the most celebratory people that people know because we know Jesus. And at the same time, we should enter in and weep with those who weep because people hurt. People need someone. They don't need your platitudes. They don't need your, your silly stories or something to just make it okay in the moment. They just need you to weep with them. Put your name in here. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. The thing that always sticks out to me is associate with the lowly. That means, hey, don't try to find yourself and, and move yourself to the front of the line. Find whoever's sitting on the outskirts. Find who's sitting on the side. Find somebody who needs your help. Find somebody who is not in the popular group. Associate with the lowly. Help them. What a, that's that's, that's a, uh, indicative of the th- same things that Jesus would do. He went to those who were outcasts. He went to those who were, that the religious people didn't want them to be a part of. He associated with the lowly. If he associated with you and me, you know who he associated with? The lowly. Put your name in. Scott, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. It's real easy to want to just get a tit for tat, right? 
Instead of repaying someone evil for evil, give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If someone does evil to me, people expect me to do what? Evil back to them. If someone does evil to me and the scripture teaches me this, and I do what is honorable in the sight of all, I'm doing something countercultural that demands an answer. Verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Much as you can do, live peaceably with everybody. Verse 19, beloved, never avenge yourselves. Believe it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Put your name in there. Beloved, beloved Scott, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written. Vengeance doesn't belong to you. Listen. That ain't what you do. That ain't what I do. Vengeance is not ours. The Lord will repay. At some point, the Lord repays. Vengeance is not yours to take. No matter how bad it is, no matter what people have done to you, no matter how bad they have sinned against you, no matter how, what vengeance they've taken on you, the vengeance is not yours. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. And then Paul says this, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, what? Feed him. If he's thirsty, what? Give him something to drink. For by doing so, you heap burning coals on his head. And then lastly, in verse 21, he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, for the sake of a lot of time, um, I- I'm going to skip through this next, uh, uh, through this next section. I- I'm going to go to this close because I just feel led by the Spirit to do that now. Um, and-, and I'll say this. From this day forward, uh, from this day forward, let this church and each of us who are in this church be known for love. Let this church and each of you who are sitting here, each of you who are listening online, wherever you are in the sound of my voice, let us be known for love because God himself is love. We love because he first loved us. People will know we are his disciples. How? By the love we have for one another. People don't know you're a disciple of Jesus because you go to Refuge Church. People don't know you're a disciple of Jesus because you have a Bible. People don't know you're a disciple of Jesus because you have a fish on the back of your car. People don't know you're a disciple of Jesus because you have one of those refuge stickers in your car. But people will know that you are a disciple of Jesus by the love that you have for one another. What attracts people to Jesus? Love. Not condemnation. Not any, because Jesus is love. Jesus laid his life down for people so that they can be in a relationship with God the Father. And as, and as God is renewing this church family and bringing a fresh wind of hope, and he is bringing a fresh wind of hope into this church family and to people around this church family, 
One that is filled with love and with gospel fire. I pray it begins a flame in each of you. I pray that the, the flame, if it's not ignited, it gets ignited. And if it's already ignited, that it's getting flamed. And if it's already getting flamed, it's beginning to burn. And if it's already beginning to burn, it's beginning to burn big. And it burns out of control. The flame of gospel fire. I pray that we live differently from this day forward. I pray we do it for the sake of the gospel and the good of those around us. With the good news that Jesus didn't come to condemn anybody. We're already condemned. But he came so that they may be saved. Refuge, let's be that good news people. Even more than Jeff Street was committed to this surgery. Let's be committed to the Great Commission. Let's be committed to the Great Commission to go and make disciples. It requires us to open our mouths. It requires us to, to get to know Jesus. It requires us to get to know the story of God. It requires us to be able to tell the story and share the good news about how we've been changed by the gospel. Let's not use our mouths for condemnation or critique or for crass words, but to commit to be people of good news. The good news that Jesus rescues sinners like me and like you. Amen. You and me doing his work in his power. Jesus tells us apart from him, we can do nothing. Jesus is committed to saving people. And isn't that worth you and me giving our lives to? By the power of the living God, refuge. Let's commit to be people that throw wide our arms. Throw wide the welcome mat to the stranger, to the sojourner, to the suffering, the same way Jesus welcomed you and me. Let's be those people. Let's pray.